Hey, before this episode starts, I just want to give you a quick update on a Vietnam podcast and 7 Million Bikes podcast. What you're listening to right now is called a dynamic ad and so I can add it to the start of every single episode. So if you've heard this already, feel free to skip ahead about 3 minutes and 43 seconds. If you don't want to listen to it, you can skip forward as well. But if you do want to listen to it, I just want to share something with you. If you're a regular listener, you'll already know. If you're listening for the first time, this might be brand new news to you. But whatever you're doing right now, whether you're in the gym, in the car, on a bike, or doing the dishes, I just want to let you know that this podcast started back in 2019 as a Saigon podcast. And it was just a hobby for me. It was something to do because I was bold and I was interested in podcasting. Well, I was obsessed with podcasting. And I thought it'd be cool to start a podcast about Saigon and talk to people that lived here and share their story. I had never imagined what would happen, that it blew up and I started to interview people from all over the world about Vietnam and share some really cool stories from comedians who had come to Vietnam to retrace their father's steps, who died because of Agent Orange-induced leukemia, to children of Vietnamese boat people and to people who live and do amazing things here in Vietnam as well. And so starting a podcast literally changed my life. And from that hobby, it developed into something bigger. The original name was 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast. And lots of people ask me, where did the 7 Million Bikes come from? It was because I just read an article that there were 7.4 million motorbikes in Saigon for only like 9 or 10 million people. And so I thought it was a cool, funny, quirky name. And so it became 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast. As it grew, as I mentioned, then it changed to a Vietnam podcast. And I started doing comedy shows and events. And so 7 Million Bikes became the, the overall brand. And a Vietnam podcast was part of that. Because of COVID and various other reasons, I ended up last year stopping doing all comedy. I don't perform anymore. I don't do any shows. I just do one quiz night a week now. And I focused everything on podcasts and the brand then changed to 7 Million Bikes Podcast. And that's partly why a Vietnam podcast has been on a break for longer than I'd planned, but probably over a year now, because I actually have no time to make any new episodes at the moment or energy really, because I now make podcasts for people around the world, which is really, really cool. So I just wanted to quickly say before the episode starts, if you're listening and you're interested in starting your own podcast, then reach out to me. Uh, I do free consultations and I'll be able to talk it through with you, see what help you need, how I can help you. And if you need my help with editing or production or anything like that, that's what I do now as a full-time business, which I can't believe from starting this podcast in 2019 as a hobby because I was bored. It has now led me to become a full-time podcast producer and run a business called 7 Million Bikes Podcast, all because I read an article about the amount of motorbikes in Saigon. So if that's something you're interested in, hit me up, let me know. If not, even just send me a message to say what you think of the episodes, if you enjoy the podcast, if you're a tourist coming to Vietnam, if you already live in Vietnam, my biggest buzz is when I hear from you. So then I'm sure there'll be a link in the notes. I'll put a link in there check it out and then I don't know what episode you're about to listen to because I don't know which one you've chosen but I'm sure you're going to enjoy it and let me know what you think of it. All right, cheers, thanks for listening, enjoy.
name is Annie. Today I've got someone really special, a podcaster, a teacher, a journalism graduate, Connor Kelly. I really wasn't doing so well. And probably the start of my second year in Vietnam, after I'd done a year here, being really lost. And I'm not talking just slightly lost on the sat-nav and needing to turn left. I'm talking middle of the desert, absolutely nowhere, and not having any direction where or what anything is. And realizing I need to seriously wake up. Because if I don't wake up, this could turn really nasty, really soon. My second year, a lot of things were just out of control, where I really felt like there was nothing I could ever do to make this situation I had better. I had quite bad anxiety and depression. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't sleeping well. So I got heavily suicidal, was genuinely like cowing down for weeks and weeks. And I, I remember throughout high school thinking, if I want to achieve something, it's got to be to live abroad and live in a different environment and really test myself. And so I thought, I'm 21 now. I have no responsibilities, no pressure. This is the perfect time. And if I don't actually do it now, I could be 10 years in the future, still wishing I made that move rather than just effing doing it. But don't get me wrong, when you hold the mirror to you and realize that you're playing a huge role in your own suffering, it is tough. Like It's not easy in any way, stretch or form, but it's essential. It really is, especially when you're on that slope. So I see a lot of people complain and complain and go down that escapism route without realizing that you can come out of it if you make the conscious choice to. My name is Misha Smith, and I'm your guest host. My guest today is Mr. Kevin Lee. The original name was just Cake, and I tagged on the word collective because I felt like there was a huge energy of collaboration here. You know, people have the tendency to want to work with one another. So I went like, okay, why don't we put the word collective in there? Because I don't want Cake to just be about photography. <laughs> I think it was the energy of the people and the people I got to meet and work with for that one week I was here and I pretty much instantly fell in love with the country and the city that we all know as Saigon. So coming in Saigon for the first time seven years ago I was like great you know and my first beer was in Pastor Street and I had my first Jasmine IP. What the oh. hell is going on with the Jasmine IP? What Jasmine IP? God, <laughs> what's this? Yeah, I was totally blown away. <laughs> so one of the things that my friends would ask me is, how is it like living in a communist country? Is it very restrictive? Is it like you're constantly being surveilled? Like, come on. Vietnam's not like that. It's more kind of like Wild West where mm. almost anything goes. Right. My name is Mikachu and today I have the pleasure of being the host here. So basically what happened is that I completely blacked out. I blacked out. I felt nothing. I just dropped on my bed because luckily I was in my bedroom at that time and it's like a computer shutting down but it's your own body so it's really really scary I realized that I was a people pleaser because being born Asian 
in France, you have the Asian culture, the Asian traditions, the Asian parents who are saying that you need to respect and not say no and follow the rules, follow their expectations. It's the secret to feeling fulfilled in life and to have an impact is really to self-care, to know yourself and care about yourself. That's it. And there is no more. As soon as you do that, you explore yourself, you put words on your emotions, on what you want in life, in who you are, on your identity and your personality, and you know how to care about yourself, then anything is possible. So to me, fear is paralyzing people. It holds you back from doing anything. So the best strategy to overcome your fear is just do it. I was scared of heights, so I did the budget jumping. It really is a constant practice and exercise of going out of your comfort zone. So facing your fears is crucial. And to face your fears, you just have to do it. No question asked. And then you see what happens. I am Paul Villanova. My guest today is a professional basketball player, national team captain, business owner, and entrepreneur, Justin Young. Very first game that we had, the fans had no idea what was going on. Pretty much had to teach the fans how to behave in a game. So fans would be clapping for both teams anytime they scored basket. So there was really no full court advantage. But it was fun. Like it was a new experience for me watching this new sport come into Vietnam and people not knowing about the sport and having to learn how to watch it and understand it. And me being one of the pioneers of the league is definitely another thing that I don't take it for granted for sure. For me, personally, I don't look at stats as like something that I need to be a good player. You look at guys like Draymond Green in the NBA, and I think that's a big comparison of what I am as a player. I get players involved, I play defense, I do all the little things to try to help a team win. And I think I've learned that since college, that's when I became that kind of glue guy, the defensive role mm -hmm. player that people look up to. It was a great honor just to represent the flag. When I was younger, I would never have imagined First of all, playing professional basketball. Second, playing on a national team. I didn't think I was good enough to play on any national team. So to be considered on a national team and playing for the country where my parents came from was definitely a huge honor. People are not born playing a sport growing up out here. It's not a priority for kids. So they don't take it as seriously as I take it or any other athlete would take growing up outside of Vietnam. So it was very hard for me to try to persuade them to take it professionally when they grew up, you know, school first, school first. And these young kids growing up, oh, they had to go to school 24-7 pretty much. And so sports was secondary and the parents don't want them to play. It's a big thing that we have to try to change for these parents. If you want a sport like basketball to continue growing in Vietnam, because we need these young guys to come up, the next generation to pick up where we left off when we retire. <laughs> My name is Neil McKay and I'm your host. My guest today is a fellow comedian, Matt Tran. The reason why I decided to stay here was I did a 10 day trip here, like back in 2017. And I thought, oh, Vietnam, I don't know. I don't hear much about it. I've traveled to Thailand. I traveled to the Philippines and I'm like, okay, this is like another part of the Southeast Asia tour. I landed in Vietnam and it just felt different immediately. I felt this energy in the air in Saigon, right? You know, 
Yeah. And then, you know, anyone who's been here for a long time, they know that it's still there. And it does breed this feeling of like, I can do so much while I'm here. I would say being out here, and I think this is one of the reasons why I love coming back every time is because if you always dreamed of doing anything, I feel like Vietnam really gives you the space to do it. You know, whether it's comedy or you want to make clothes or you want to start a bakery or you want to do some pop-up. There's a community out here, both local and expat, that would make it happen for you. I think the biggest thing, if you are going to come out here and pursue stuff, you want to try to lift all boats. I think for a lot of the, like the Vietnamese diaspora, we're very much aware that it's very hard for them to talk about this stuff. And this is like from second account where like my brother was talking to my uncle, for example. And as my uncle is explaining his story, he just starts crying. And this is the first time like he's ever seen my eldest uncle cry in front of anybody. It's still traumatizing. I think that kind of trauma is really hard for them to want to speak about because the Vietnamese are resilient people. At the end of the day, they go, all right, something happened but we got to move forward. We got to move on. We got to progress. It was quite strange because even though I knew I was Vietnamese, I grew up more Chinese. I was around a more Chinese community, I would say. I grew up in a big Taiwanese community where, yeah, there wasn't a lot of people speaking Vietnamese. And I actually found myself trying to fit in with the Chinese kids, the Taiwanese kids even though I don't know the language and I don't really know the culture that well. So I learned a lot from my friends that way. But yeah, back at home, my family were very much trying to be as American as possible. Like, my guest today is the CEO at OMG Talent Group, Mike Nguyen. When I was in high school, just being in the classroom and the other kids would just look and stare and felt like I was the enemy. Because it was taught like the U.S., you know, it was our fault. And the U.S. were winners and, you know, uh, who got a lot of killed and such and such during the war. And I really didn't know how I ended up in the, in the U.S. I never asked. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's only recently where a lot of my friends said, hey, Mike, you know, your story. Because you have something that, you know, maybe it can relate to a lot of people. On the boat, my mom basically got her, you know, all her documentation was in the luggage. And, um, hey, she's carrying me as a two-year-old in her arms, and she's holding this luggage, and my brothers and sisters are going onto the boat. And a gentleman said, hey, why don't you let me hold it for you, and then when you go on, I'll give it to you. And all that our documentation was in that luggage. It wasn't anything valuable. And he basically stole it, took off, and we, you know, with nothing. No, no documents and uh, just the clothes on our backs. And in my U.S., we, we had nothing. I was like five years old doing paper routes already, lounging uh, through trash cans and cans, uh, eating food from leftover, uh, discarding the food into the trash can and just eating that to five because um, we didn't, you know, when we first it was very, for our family at least, we, we didn't, and we just learned to just not complain, just go out and try to take care of each other. And, uh, you know.
masturbation. The penetration masturbation. It was so good. Thanks, God. <laughs> it was so good. And then it gives me the kind of like the, the weird feeling. It, it, it's a little bit strange. And somehow in my head, it popped up the term sex coach. So I did have to ask my dad for the tuition fee for the sex coaching program. And when I mentioned about this, he asked me one question. Why do you want to teach people about sex even though you are not married yet? And then I replied, well, because I'm not married yet, it doesn't mean that I haven't had sex, right? <laughs> Lately, I've been participating in a lot of networking events that people usually ask, like, what do you do for a living? I'd be like, I do sex. <laughs> And people are like, what? <laughs> And it's like, I'm just kidding. I'm a sex coach. And they were like, okay, what is a sex coach? The young Vietnamese people are... Learning very fast because of the um, internet and everything. They have the access to to the internet that they can learn a lot of things. Bad and the good things as well. So that's why the sex education here is really important. So my guest today is Tam Nguyen. In terms of public art, we need a lot of support from the government and from the organizations. Because in that way, we get the acknowledgement from the public to continue the cycle, you know. So when people see art, it's more accessible, it's more friendly. And for Vietnam, it's not there yet. We are not thinking about art yet. We're thinking about how to make space more accessible. And I think that's the first step. What I have Trying to observe right now is the people around my age who are trying to understand art by going to museum more, going to exhibitions more, get themselves exposed, learn about it, talk about it, and maybe try to collect them. So the fact that exhibitions are hosting everywhere and it's expanding the people who are going there, it's very interesting to see. <laughs> Being an art curator requires you to know the art history, requires you to understand the philosophy around the art. So it's not a popular program for Vietnamese to take. I see very rare cases that people can study that in a way that they can study an engineer, doctor, lawyer thing. But there are also programs, very rare, but there is. So I think just stepping stone, then we can make the ripples. Yesterday, he's an American. He's from Washington, D.C., who served in the Air Force for 10 years. Marquis Ryan. So I was using like 12 hours editing one video, and then boom, next week I got to do it again. And then I got to film it, and then I got to run around, and it was a lot of work. And then the gods relinquished my duties. With COVID, I was just able to say, like, what do I want to do? 
And uh, yeah, that was starting to learn Vietnamese to become extremely independent in Vietnam. I don't want to depend on somebody else to get me around or talk to the receptionist or do this or do that. I want to just be able to do it all by myself. And then that just morphed into, I want to become fluent. What I wish I had was just like a full, I mean, of course, I can never do this because it's a terrible thing to do and it would never fit my size. But if I had a full body Vietnamese mask, you know, it's arms, legs, face, and I can just walk to anywhere and speak Vietnamese and then, then, then they maybe respond to me in Vietnamese. But I just have like this big sign on my face that like, hey, it's time to speak some English. And they will never ever speak Vietnamese. <laughs> it's like such a wide spectrum. The military is like so wide. So my job, I was, I didn't have to strangle anybody in the ditch. Well, actually, you know what? I, <laughs> one time, I strangled my own coworker. But that's a whole difference. I was deployed, we were deployed in Africa for six months, and oh my god, we get really angry at each other. But we're so close. You know, this, that's another weird thing about the military. Is like, you hate your coworkers so much, but you know more about your coworkers than your own family and your old, old friends. But then I moved down to Vietnam and I started buying comfortable things. And I realized that things, you become a slave to your things. You're not, you don't own your objects, your objects own you. You know, to pay for that car, you need to work those hours. To pay for that couch, that TV, you gotta work, 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 work. And then to afford the things that you want to own, you need to be owned by the money system that, you know, lets you buy them. And so, I mean, when I first got here, I'm like, sure, I'm not gonna, you know, spend a lot of money on things, but I started spending tons yeah. of money on stuff recently. But I realized it's all for a distraction. You know, distract yourself from life, you know, to make the day go by more comfortably. And once I stopped spending all my money on, you know, things, I realized that I could be happy and I don't need to work as much, so I don't need to be as productive as I used to be. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. 
As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.